0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not it's it not really no so This is way. this is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a, flip a flip runway it. in the front yard. <laughs> it's a head scratcher, Jeb. What, huh?
1: It's a head scratcher? Yeah, it's a head scratcher. You gotta I gotta find this uh, video I'm looking seen, at here does not video. have yeah, does no, not okay. have a slider to move it further across down to the... Uh, oh,
0: it's because it's not a video. It's an animated GIF. Um, no, it's not a... It's oh, a, here's it's the a, video. Okay, I got it now.
1: There's a video. All right. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, There. there's the video. Yeah. Move Move the slider. Turn Turn the volume down. Move the slider. You know. The. It's a RANS-S10. A uh, guy is maneuvering maybe for a landing at the, at the local airport, and something happens, and he loses power. He, he loses thrust anyway. And,
2: and uh and he can't figure out why. He
1: well, can't, okay. he, he, he's running the throttle back and forth a couple of times and of course the engine's over revving and and he runs the throttle back and so he finally just leaves the, the engine to idle and um lands the airplane on a runway, does a nice little dead stick thing. Okay. And uh comes I take to it a he stop was near on
0: the, he's near his home field
1: or, or just a apparent, field? I don't, a field, I don't know. But an airport. Um, an airport. Okay. And uh, he, he he lands the airplane, um, gets out, the airplane comes to a stop on the runway. The guy gets out, uh, walks around the airplane, and the video catches him st- standing in front of the airplane with his hands on his hips, going, What just happened?
0: Yeah. And and is it is it only at that point that he realizes that he's got no propeller?
1: Apparently so. He's, he's like, ah, uh, and, 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 you know, I, I would probably be the same. I was like, well, what is wrong with this airplane? What, you know, you can't see the blur of the, of the prop sometimes, uh, uh, under certain lighting conditions or, and, and maybe this one, this is one of those situations. I don't know what the guy was seeing. It wasn't in his seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got no prop.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, because in the early in the but video... I, I, you I can... love the
2: way... Go ahead, Jeff. I love David. the way he's looking around the inside of the cockpit like, well, it's not in here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why was I not making any power? I don't understand here. Right? I
1: don't understand what happened.
0: Now, the camera does, does capture... Kind of power, but no thrust. Yeah. The camera does capture... You can see the prop early in the video, and then later uh-huh. in the video, you don't see the prop. Um, but... I don't know. You know, I, I can I can half imagine him not. You know, when the engine was still at, at RPMs, but when he brought it down to idle, you would have thought he'd notice. I guess maybe the props still move, even at idle, the props well, moving pretty yeah, good.
1: I, I'm not I'm not going to uh, hazard a guess as to what was going through his mind, and I'm and I'm not going to second guess any pilot in an emergency situation for not understanding everything there is to know about that situation. Um, that's just. You know, I wasn't there. It's not sure. my airplane. Sure. You know, um, yada yada. So, I mean, the guy did a great job uh, of getting the airplane on the ground,
0: uh, especially given uh, that it was a puzzling <clears throat> failure. You know, I mean, it's exactly. Like, it's hard enough no. to get yourself out of a failure when you understand what's going on. Right. Right.
1: And, right. And, and, and you know, you're working the throttle back and forth. What is wrong? What is going on? don't understand and obviously you're stressed because a you don't know what's going on b you know you got a problem mm-hmm. c you don't know if you can fix the problem d all that kind of pales to the to the uh, in comparison with the need to get the airplane on the ground in one piece yeah and 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 to close it all out it's a real pain to
2: taxi to the ramp without a prop. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you would, maybe you would have thought, well, again, he knew he had no thrust. So, he was, you know, like yeah, that yeah. old joke about retracts. How do you know when you landed gear up when it takes full power to taxi to the ramp?
1: <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, that was the only problem with the airplane, apparently. He just didn't have a prop, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, which apparently just failed. Uh, I don't know. I, I, apparently it was a wooden prop. Yeah, uh, and uh, and clearly uh, the whole
0: prop departed because it was he would have noticed right. it would have been vibration if there wasn't the whole prop right and, uh, well, and
2: I I can imagine a guy standing there going well did the bolts shear how much torque did I put when was the last time I torqued that prop because uh-huh. that's that's one of the recurring issues with uh, with wood, wood propellers <laughs> mm-hmm, is that temperature and humidity affect how much torque loads on the bolts so. You get a big change in temperature. You get a big change in humidity. You go out there with your torque wrench. Uh, you undo the safety wires. You redo the, you know, you reset it to the uh, appropriate torque level. You, you wire it back up, and you're, you're home free mm-hmm. until the next time the weather changes.
0: Is David? You, you obviously you know all about this stuff. I'm wondering if this is the sort of propeller attachment that your airplane's going to have.
2: Well. Uh, do you have a propeller yet? Do you know what you're going to put on it for a prop? I, I know what I'm going to put on it, uh, but I don't have it yet. Uh, but th- this is, if this is a RANS S, S what is it? S uh, 10, their aerobatic, their little mid wing aerobatic airplane. And uh, it typically uses a Rotax engine. Uh, I think the 65 horse 582 is the most popular one for it. And uh you know, wood props from somebody is uh, the typical installation. And uh, with that comes that recurring, with that wooden prop comes a recurring uh, need to check the torque. Uh, that's not something I picked up after I started the YX. That's something I learned. Yeah. Waiting waiting to do a demo ride at, uh, at uh, Sun and Fun, oh, gee maybe 25 years ago. When uh, we had a big change in weather, it had had a lot of rain, and then the temperature warmed way up. And uh, the wood shrinks and swells with uh, the changes in temperature and humidity. So, uh, you know, the uh, guy got out the the torque wrench. He checked them. They were all way too tight. So he he basically took the prop off, put new bolts and uh, new nuts on it torqued it back down to the right level, safetyed it, and off we went into the Wild Blue Yonder. And uh, the whole time him giving me a lesson in the uh, the, the uh, pros and cons of wooden propellers.
0: Yeah,
2: this okay. This one being one of the cons. Yeah, really. Oh, these little airplanes are dangerous. I know, huh? Uh, but, d- you know, look at how well it flew without a prop. It did yeah. just fine.
0: It's Yeah, well, in good good all field landing of the week props to this guy for ha ha get it props to this ha, guy. Ha, ha,
1: <laughs> ha, 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 ha.
0: for getting his airplane ha, on the ha, ground ha. safely even if he was puzzled have either of you i mean obviously not to the extreme of losing a prop but have either of you had an in-flight failure that you just couldn't figure out and you just kind of had to you know do whatever you needed to do has i can't i can't think of an example where i had a failure that i just totally didn't understand um even a minor one um well, this, well, that's this, not true. This Actually, ha- I had a real radio failure one time.
2: Okay, I'll do mine. Well, in a minute.
0: And, you go and first.
2: Not to hang bad things on wood props. This even happens to airplanes with metal props. Exactly. Where sometimes the hub fails, sometimes the crank fails, sometimes the bolt fails. Just ask our favorite Senator Inha from Oklahoma. Right. Mm-hmm. right, exactly. He had this happen on a, uh, oh, Jimmy, what it was, a Grumman. A Grumman, Grumman Tiger, singles. I believe it was. And that was a metal prop. And uh, the biggest difference between losing the metal prop and losing the wood prop is that you lose a little more weight off the nose when it's a metal prop. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I – uh but you uh I- so, my story was that, and I've told this story on the podcast but probably years ago, that uh, this was at Palo Alto, a towered field, and uh, I was getting ready to go flying, and I had taxied out, of course, with permission and instructions to the uh, run up area. And I was in the run up area at Palo Alto, could be very busy. You could be number two, three, four easily. Uh, and so I went to the run up area and did my run up, and then when I was ready to go, I made the call to the tower, and they didn't respond. And so I repeated my call to the tower and they didn't respond. And I was hearing the tower and other airplanes talking just fine, but no, they were not responding to me. And I'm suddenly, I'm starting to conclude that I'm not getting on the air and that I'm not being, you know, broadcasting. And so I was messing around, I was, you know, plugged and unplugged the mic, the, the, my headphone cable and. I tried to make sure that the radio um, unit was was seated properly in the in the panel, and and I just couldn't figure it out. And so I'm sitting there going, well, I don't know what the problem is, but now what do I do? And uh, and the result was, I waited till it got quiet there in the run up area, and then no, you know when there was nobody else around, airplane wise or pedestrian wise, I uh, you know basically did a 180, taxied 180, and uh, and started to taxi back to my parking place. And Tower, obviously, I knew this would what would happen. Tower immediately noticed that somebody's taxiing without instructions, and so they broadcast, you know, everybody stop, right? Everybody on the field stop, right? And we all stopped. And then he talked to me. He said, you know, you're there if you if you uh, you know. And he asked me for some visual clue that I could hear him. And I don't know whether it was clicking the radio or or just he said if you can hear me, start taxiing. And I did. And he gave me instructions, and everything was fine from then on. And I got taxied back to my spot. But but. Uh, it was puzzling and i'm sitting there for, it took i sat in the run up area for 5 or 10 minutes trying to figure out what to do cuz i was like a solo stu- i was i was pre check ride solo at that time as i believe as i recall so i you know yeah have you ever had a failure right. that you just couldn't figure out that you just 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 puzzled the heck out of you you know and as a result um. you don't know exactly how to how to proceed <sighs>
2: Really? I had a, I, I had, had a gear problem once where the, the gear would get about halfway down and then the breaker would pop. And it took me about four cycles of flying around outside the pattern to figure out that uh that uh, I just needed to hold my finger on the breaker long enough and and it would go past the uh the, the bad part of the jack screw which was what it turned out to be. It, the jack screw had a little gall metal on it, and it'd get to that. It'd overload the motor. The motor would uh, demand more current. The breaker would pop. I thought, well, if I hold it long enough, it'll either burn the tip of my thumb off or my gear will get down, one of the two. And uh, the gear went down. And we immediately diverted over to dead cow and put it in the hands of the leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know. Overriding the breaker so that it doesn't pop, but I guess if that's what you needed to do, that's what you needed to do.
2: Well,
1: uh, yeah, there was uh, an
2: alternative to the yeah, manual yeah. gear extension. Yeah, yeah,
1: which yeah. on the Comanche is, is requires some some service afterward, as I recall.
2: Oh yeah. Well, we replaced the breaker, and we replaced the jack screw, and in replacing the jack screw, we found that the mount on the motor uh, had started to crack. So it wound up being down for about four days. Uh, But, David, I think what Jeb was saying, if I understood correctly, was that doing
0: the the routine, if you will, routine um, um, manual gear extension is somewhat destructive and requires repair.
1: Oh no, uh, It's not destructive. It, 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 it can uh, What does it do, Dave? I mean, you explain it?
2: Well, it, 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 it didn't hurt anything. A uh, matter of fact, I, I did it in practice a couple of times as oh, okay. the airplane was uh, being delivered for annual, uh, just so I knew that I could do it when the chips were down. But then the whole jack screw drive has to be reset. The Uh, the mm ANP has to re-engage the the drive system. Uh, Then you got to get it on jacks and swing the gear about a half a dozen times, make sure everything's set right. And I wasn't anxious to go through that if I could get the gear down with the motor. And I figured if the breaker gets really hot, I'll feel it on my thumb and I'll let it trip. Mm -hmm. And then I'll do the manual extension. Yeah. Okay. But I held on to it. It went. It hesitated a little bit when it got to that spot, and I put my hand on the uh, manual gear extension lever and pushed it, and it made it past the bad spot and down locked, and I got the uh, the, the green light. Mm-hmm. There you go, Jeb. Were you about to uh, tell us about a puzzling?
1: Well, I mean, failure? I've had, you know, I'll call them in-flight problems. Um um, you talk about, you know, failure to communicate or, uh, kind of thing. I had one of those earlier in the year. Uh, we've talked about, um, uh, engine failure I or partial engine failure I had. And, uh, there's been, you know, some other episodes where, you know, eh, let's, let's, let's see about getting the airplane on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, at no point was I, um, Confused, if you will, as as to what the problem was. In the sense of, oh, my engine is failing. Oh, uh, I cannot communicate. Oh, I, you know, X, Y, or Z. It, um, I understood the problem. Uh, I did what I could to try to fix it, given the tools um, and the training and the checklists Mm -hmm. I had. Mm -hmm. None of those things worked. So then it became a matter of, all right, let's get on the ground safe and sound and mm-hmm. worry about what what the specific problem is. Uh, you know, with the, the Nordo thing earlier in the year, basically it was a push to talk switch. Well, um, that's right.
0: Yeah, you did have that kind of failure, didn't you? Yeah. Um, did, we and about, sure. d- did we talk about that? I'm not sure if we
1: talked about that. I don't know if we talked about that or not. Um, um, basically, you because,
0: you were, because you got some great help from an FBO, and you talked about that,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Uh, um, basically, I'm IFR. I'm trying to get into Albany, New York. I'm in not in my airplane, um, and I cannot transmit. And uh, uh, controller's like, dude, you know what's your problem? Uh, okay, I see you descending per the clearance. Uh, what what's going on? Um, and I squawk 7,600 and the guy received and he says, okay, now I understand. And this will be, uh, um, you know, uh, Nordo vectors to the final and you're cleared to land kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what, that's how it all turned out. Um, uh, taxi to the, he says, "He's like, you know, if you're going to the hangers, turn right. If you're going to the, to the FBO, turn left kind of thing. And I turn left. Yeah uh and it it worked out fine you know a a friend of mine chatted with the tower made sure there was no issues and that was the end of it Mm yeah anyways i didn't i didn't know if the problem was a radio or an antenna had fallen off or it was my headset Mm -hmm. uh it turned out to be a bad push to talk switch yeah
0: well okay well like i said um, all kidding aside congratulations to this uh pilot for yeah. uh getting he, a- he
1: has on. a name actually look scrolling back up here his name is mark pinnell
0: mark pinnell congratulations to uh, mark yes pinnell good
1: for, job uh, mark some, some and, and hope you hope you got another prop on there and, and wink wink nod nod maybe a metal one
0: I don't know if a metal one. If it, if it was the thick, if a fastener is what failed, uh, you know, it's
1: well. That's true. It could could be a snap crankshaft, uh, crap, uh, crap, a snapped uh, prop flange. Who knows?
0: Yeah. So, anyways, congratulations <coughs> to him and uh, nice yes. job. Good flying. Good
1: job. Good job. And, good job. Uh,
0: anyways, hey, welcome, folks, to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm uh, Jack Hodgson, coming to you from high atop Lookout Point in beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire. Fall colors are, are starting to look pretty spectacular here and, uh, almost getting down. We almost had a frost for the first time this season the other day. So it's getting to be that time of year, but, uh, still very, very beautiful and very nice up here. Talking, uh, here in our virtual hangar with my two good friends. Uh, let's see now. Who am I going who's going to go for, uh, uh, from, from Wichita, Kansas, the air capital of the world is, uh, Dave Higdon. Hi, David. What's going on? How are you doing?
2: Oh, doing all right. Doing lovely. Uh, up to my armpits and work and, uh, have a couple of schedule interruptions coming up that uh, I need to work around and uh, uh, just living life uh, nice and comfortable here in the uh, Wichita uh, Riverside neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a beautiful no hurricanes, no hurricanes uh, lately. Uh, yeah, yeah, I a know, we're going to talk about hurricanes. Um, but uh, some, Well, we had, we had some tornadoes here uh, in not too far from us last week. Uh-huh. Uh, which is kind of late in the year. But, as the weatherman like to point out, tornadoes can happen any month of the year. And we had about six or seven small ones uh, didn't do a lot of damage, little damage, and none of them close to my place. Mm-hmm. So well, glad to hear we're that. happy for that. Glad
0: to hear that. And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida is Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. how you doing? I'm spiffy no I, I intentionally um, tried to, to curtail uh, Dave and my weather talk because we 're going to do a little i want to just hear a little bit of a, of an of a uh, extended weather talk from you. Um, listeners paying attention to such things will know that you live on near the west coast of Florida. And uh-huh. uh, the East Coast of Florida and part large parts of of florida were were uh, hit by uh, Hurricane Matthew this past
1: week. And uh-huh.
0: uh, just give us a brief report. everything okay' you're you're, you're good to everything's go fine.
1: everything's fine here. Um, lost a few tree limbs, palm fronds, that kind of thing. Um, uh, but the overall weather that I saw here during, uh, Matthews transit uh, up the up the uh, east coast of Florida was no worse than some thunderstorms I've seen come through. and And in fact, I've had thunderstorms do far more damage uh, here, at least uh, where I live outside of uh, outside mm-hmm. of Sarasota. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some surge activity, some some Gulf Mexico storm surge activity. Um, on the waterfront, uh, that kind of thing, but there was no real damage of which I'm aware relative to Matthew's passage through here. The same cannot be said for other parts of Florida. Yeah, uh, apparently. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, and no, much less uh, uh, Georgia and North Carolina. Right, uh, right. Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, yeah. uh, which took, uh, I would guess, the brunt of Matthew kind of sort of head on, and our steel dealers uh, still dealing with yes. uh, the aftermath yeah, absolutely, and, uh, absolutely. Uh, watching that kind of closely. But
0: uh. L- Let me just quickly report that um, I've been in contact with Amy Laboda, who also lives the, near the west coast of Florida, further south than you, and she has a similar report that it was just a very windy, rainy, blustery day, but that, that they're all fine down there. Um, James Winbrandt, who uh, spends his uh, winters in the St Augustine area up near near Jacksonville um was is actually in, at his summer quarters in uh, in uh, uh, New York City right now so he physically was not um, um you know present for the hurricane um we're we're hearing reports that there was some pretty good damage in the the Fort Ridge, St Augustine um all, all along the coast there um but we don't have any specifics about uh you know James's airport or, or anything like that, but James is well. Um, and um, UCap pal uh, Dave Schalbetter of uh, Sun and Fun Radio, who lives down in the Miami area and has property down in the Florida Keys, was I'm told um, completely out of position, if you will, um, was traveling on vacation up in what Carolinas or something like that. Is that what you said? That's my
1: understanding. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so he he is well as well. Um, I, I cannot report on his property, but but he is okay. So yeah. Uh, that's sort of a quick report on on, on UCAP's uh, family, if you will, um, regarding. Uh, and we haven't heard – well, actually, I did hear from Turbo Eddie, um, who uh, lives oh, cool. part of the year over there on the, on the East Coast. Um, and he was also uh, not in the Florida area. It's not clear to me whether he was up here in, in New England where he spends the summers, but he was not there. Um, he related to me that he got a report from a neighbor that things were basically okay. Um, Dave Allen reported that he was okay. It's not clear to me whether he was on, on, on the ground in, uh, in Florida over there. He lives over there on that, that coast. Um, mm-hmm. who, were, who else is over there that we know of? That,
1: that, that area where, where, um, uh, where Dave lives, uh, in Melbourne area, uh, was, was kind of ground zero, at least for the Florida effects mm-hmm. yeah. uh, of the hurricane. So I'm, I'm certainly optimistic and, and happy to hear that, uh, everything seems to be okay with him.
0: Yeah. So anyways, um. Quite a storm, um, particularly along the East Coast, uh, but uh, fortunately didn't affect you as much, and that's good.
1: I'm glad to hear that. It didn't reach as far inland as Wichita.
0: Yeah, yeah. So... Moving on, airplane stuff here. Okay, so this is a really cool story. And anybody who's been paying attention, we've been dropping hints about this for about three or four episodes now, but we didn't want to talk about it until it was real. And now it's pretty, yeah. pretty real, all right? And I don't know, I, I, I jokingly, and I hope this isn't isn't uh, offensive to anybody, but I jokingly said in the, in the notes here, Jeb's new girlfriend... Uh, everyone knows Jeb's long time longtime girlfriend is Debbie, his Debonair uh airplane. Um and uh you have added another airplane to your
1: stable, haven't you? I have we have a new arrival. You too. What tell us yeah. all about this? What is it? Um this is uh a champ. A champ. Uh, Aronca, Aronca champ. A pretty cool champ uh, it, as champ goes. it it, it does right? have it, it checks off a lot of boxes for for uh uh, for me, first of all, this is a partnership, uh, a co ownership, if you will, between mm-hmm. uh, uh, myself and Lee Stike Leather. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, man in mecha- the man in black. The man in black, the satanic mechanic. mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, something that he was cruising uh, uh, eBay uh, uh, some time ago, a few weeks back, came across. And uh, we put our heads together and in, in, in our shekels and ended up uh, uh, buying. Um, the airplane started life as an L16B. Mm-hmm. Uh, it still has affixed to the one of the side panels the data plate uh, from the U.S. Army Air Corps, right. where That's the airplane yeah. where the airplane was put into service in 1948.
0: Yeah, l 16 so being a military designation, right?
1: Exactly. So this is a a bona fide warbird. Yeah, uh, well, is 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 one of the boxes it checks. You're going to get to make some new uh,
0: friends at Oshkosh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, the airplane um, uh, being an L sixteen B, it was born by Aranca with a a big engine, b uh, an electrical system, mm-hmm. which obviates the need to do the hand propping uh, of some of the uh, the earlier Aroncas, some of the earlier Champs, the seven AC uh, types, and whatnot. Um, it uh, it was served in the in the US Army Air Corps a uh, variety of roles I'm sure we don't have all those records yet um, For about ten years uh, it went to the uh, Civil Air Patrol For another period of time and then uh, went into private hands mm-hmm. and uh, has been pretty much a, a Texas airplane For most of its life uh, As I say we bought it off of eBay and, and had it ferried here and um, and uh, you know, giving it the once over, it's 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 a very cool little piece of uh, of uh, of uh, Aronka and war uh, Warbird history. It, it at one point was, it, it still has a Confederate Air Force sticker in one of the windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, owned operated by, by uh, some uh, CAF types. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're just having a whole bunch of fun. We're, we ha- haven't flown it yet, actually. Well, that's what I was going to uh, ask you we, next. We could, you could sit in and sit in and make airplane noises uh, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Uh, when it arrived, it it came uh, with a bad brake, mm-hmm. um, and um, uh, so that was you know kind of job one is is getting the brake repaired. We we were just able to do that with uh, uh, Lee's presence in Florida uh, a few days ago um so we we kind of sorta we got that out of the way uh between my work schedule the weather uh my instructor's uh schedule and whatnot uh it'll be either this weekend or early next week uh before i have a chance to to Mm -hmm. get in it and fly it and i'm I'm really 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 looking forward to that you know it's got some cosmetic issues it's a it's a solid 20 footer um you know there's a a lot of little things like that but um it's got a big engine. It's instead of the 90-horse the engine it was born with mm-hmm. many, many moons ago, it's got a 115-horse engine in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a metal prop, okay. uh, so, okay. so okay. no, no re-torquing. Um uh It has an electrical system. It has a, it has a comm radio. Uh, it will have a transponder in the near future. It does not now. And When um, you say
0: electrical system, part of that is it has an electric starter. You don't have to hand.
1: Pull. It has a battery. It has a starter. It has an alternator. It has lights. Right. Um, it has a radio. It you know things like this. So all, all in, the comforts of home. Yeah. All the comforts of home. And um, drum roll, please. It's uh, it meets the light sport aircraft definition. There you go. So that it's it, for you, say,
0: but it's a need for a lot of people.
1: No. Yeah. It's a need for a lot of people and it likely will be a need for me down the road also. Um, the punchline in all of that is it che- it just checks off all the little boxes that, that Lee and I had had uh, separately mm-hmm. uh, uh um, set aside for you know a, a new toy to enter the family and uh, Shazam we got one yes. so uh, as I, as I'm really looking forward to to flying it uh, uh, it's it's right now sitting in my hangar uh, Debbie is uh, in a different hangar nearby uh, thanks to a very gracious. Uh, uh neighbor right and uh or, or soon we will you know i need a, i need a bigger hanger is the punchline. but uh <laughs> oh, um, you
0: need less stuff in the hanger you got oh maybe
1: maybe, maybe that would be one solution i've seen your also. hanger it's
0: plenty big but you got a lot of cool stuff in it um and yeah but gonna uh, uh, cool
1: we're gonna we're gonna end up putting it in arcadia florida which is about a 30 minute drive for me but it's about a five minute drive for lee right that's where lee has a hanger right right yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah. so
0: very yeah. cool. Yeah, I know the day it arrived, or the day after it arrived, you posted a picture on Twitter of it um, uh-huh, sitting uh-huh. in your little circle, your little little driveway circle there right in front of uh-huh. your house, uh, because you did, yeah. at that time you didn't have space in the hangar. Um, you did not have space in the hangar. And, that's and, what and I the neighbors
2: go, wow, look at the new wind vane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's a different and project.
1: And <laughs> you know, in fact, talking about uh, hurricanes and whatnot, um, there was a thunderstorm that came through well before Matthew, and the airplane was was parked in that little circle and tied down, uh, anchored with with uh, three claws uh, into the soil and whatnot. And uh, that thunderstorm, uh, talking about major, talking about having thunderstorms worse than hurricanes, uh, the thunderstorm moved the tail about a foot or so sideways. Oh, really? Uh, and took down a tree. Uh, next to the hangar, and uh, took down uh, a bunch of palm fronds and some other stuff. So, uh, yeah, Matthew didn't even do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, so that's what you shifted uh, you know, the airplanes. All...
0: You shifted the airplanes around in the anticipation of what Matthew might have been in your area, right? Is that
1: exactly? Um, by the time Matthew was here, as I say, the Deb uh, was in one hangar and the Champ was in my hangar. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's, I know you've
0: been talking for years now about the idea of trying to find a simpler, smaller airplane
2: for, you know, mm-hmm. as time goes on, and, uh, and 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 did you say L,
1: L what number L sixteen B yeah. sixteen Yeah, sixteen Bravo. Right. Bravo model. It's yeah. it's it's like all the all the other liaison aircraft. Uh, uh, it's basically known as a grasshopper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, a long time uh, favorite of
0: mine. I love those Elbirds. They have always. Yeah, been. It's,
1: it's so it's got the ex- extended greenhouse uh, after the wings for observation for the back seater to do observation, uh, that kind of thing. Um, it, it's just a little a cool little airplane. There's you know it's got some some issues. It's got some head scratchers associated with it, and we'll sort of you know sh- slowly but surely work through all of those. And uh, you know it takes. A couple of years to get any airplane, you know, really sorted the way the owner wants it once he, he or she acquires it. And that's going to be the case in this situation also. But Give us a couple of – go
0: ahead. It's currently airworthy and and you've deemed it reasonably oh, yeah. safe. Yeah.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it flew in here, right?
0: Sure. Sure, so. but i but you and Lee have perhaps a different set of standards than other people
1: do. yeah, and uh, and, and we've we've been through it, as I say, the yeah. the big thing was was getting that getting that brake resolved. So I mean, I didn't even want to taxi it without that brake. Um, and, uh, I've run up the engine, it's, the engine starts easily, sounds good, responds well, mm-hmm. um, and we'll do some, some other, you know, flight testing, uh, kind of thing, uh, work here before we actually get it airborne again. But, uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't see any, any showstoppers. Um, there's a few things we want to, I won't say correct, but we want to change. Mm-hmm uh... and we'll get to that uh... here in the next month or so very
0: very cool congratulations yeah, and to I, you, thank it's you. terrific thank
1: yeah. you yeah uh... I'm, I'm really looking forward to this it, it, there's nothing at all wrong with the DAB and i'm not in the mood to sell a DAB or anything like that the DAB is a traveling airplane mm-hmm. and uh... uh... going out um, to go shoot landings uh... uh... On a, on a calm summer evening uh... is not something that i would opt uh, to use the deb for but mm-hmm. the champ is a whole nother topic yeah. so yeah. i know i know
0: that, I, uh, go ahead i know that the uh the instructor that you had been flying tailwheel with for a while a while ago has sadly passed away do you that's have terrific. another instructor there at the uh air park that's going to work with you
1: i or? i i kind of sort of maybe do but i'm i'm gonna opt for uh, uh someone else Uh, whom uh, uh, I really enjoy flying with and Mm -hmm. who has plenty of tail-dragger and and champ experience also. It's just been a matter of uh, trying to uh, coordinate calendars and and schedules and other and everything else uh, with that instructor.
2: Very cool. David, any
1: question, comment?
2: No, but i double-check that gross weight. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well and that 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 is a concern i mean with the big engine and with the radio and and with an alternator and with a battery and you know you're starting to eat into that useful load that uh, uh applies to the uh, to the lsa uh, uh um uh, stand to the LSA limit. So, yeah, that's, that's a head-scratcher also. We've got some things we need to do. This, this thing has, quote, long-range fuel also on it in that it has a, uh, an auxiliary fuel tank in the wing oh, really? um, that uh, transfers fuel in back into the main tank, the main tank being the one uh, uh, just ahead of the windshield, just ahead of the, the oh, uh, right. uh, firewall.
0: And is it a passive uh, well, system, or do you need to actively pump gas?
1: You need to actively—well, you, you don't need to actively pump it. You need to turn on a valve, a valve. that allows the, the wing tank to drain itself into the, the fuselage tank. Oh, okay. So, so it's got a lot of little, little—I uh, yeah, won't call them uh, oddities, but certainly eccentricities mm-hmm. and uh, uh, interesting things going on. Uh, and it's a warbird. Yeah. No. So uh, we we very, figured you know, I figured I'd I would fly it to Sun and Fun, and I'll let Lee fly it to Oshkosh. How's that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> very, very neat.
0: Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to it.
0: So. Uh, Answer the telephone, whoever that is. Um, Or kill it. Uh, I saw this video. I think, now, so the next two or three items on the list, I haven't actually confirmed that they're actually all about the same thing. I think they are. Um, This is a video that uh, got some traction on the net about, um, uh, it was in cockpit video, a camera. Um, mounted on the dash facing backwards so that you could see head on face on to the pilot of this little one seat i believe a race airplane of some sort um who was getting ready who was starting his takeoff roll, and then had a problem all right and the engines quit or something he came to a stop on the runway is the point and uh and you see him sitting there you know like I don't know. I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks, but but basically trying to deal with this and trying to make the, let the world know there's a problem, and all of a sudden you see another airplane on takeoff roll behind him, coming up from the rear. All right? You'd actually, I think, seen a couple that went past him on the sides too. Um, this was some sort of loose formation race takeoff kind of thing. And suddenly you see this airplane coming from behind, and it's, it it kind of frightened me for a split second, because I'm watching this thing, and I sort of knew what was about to happen, but it suddenly it, it occurred to me that I was about to see this guy get decapitated, because a wing was going to clip the rear end of this airplane, and I'm thinking, this is going to get ugly. Fortunately, it didn't. The, the wing kind of cl- hit the airplane and climbed over the canopy and, you know, broke So things. we're deprived of the legend of the headless airman. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Good. For, I'm glad, right? But you guys have seen this video, right? Yeah. Well, actually, there's two. Oh yeah. Okay. What's uh, yeah. two
2: different airplanes? Right. Oh
0: right. really? Okay. All right. So I described one. Did I describe one of them more or less accurately? Uh huh. Okay. What's you, the you other described one? both of them pretty much accurately? So the same <laughs> thing happened twice.
2: Yeah, similar things happened twice. Uh, the. Uh, uh, well, the first one was a uh, that we heard about. The first one that I posted was a uh, monk sport race number twenty three, and he had some kind of problem that caused him to open up his uh, canopy and hold his hand up as as a sign to the race officials that he had a problem, and apparently that didn't get caught uh, before they started that that uh, that heat rolling. Right. And the guy sitting there, when uh, he got uh, he got hit from behind, uh, the second one, I think was also a hit from behind, but they were rolling on takeoff. okay. The sounds like the first one is the one that I saw and was trying to describe. Yeah, it, that, and that one was really scary. Both of them were a little scary. Yeah, and the second one, the guy had multiple cameras on his aircraft, so you can see it from three or four different views. Oh, really?
0: I'll have to take a look at that one.
2: Are these both Reno it,
0: incidents? or? Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: these are both at, during
0: the races. During the Reno air races, the national air races there. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you how you just got to pay attention and, and uh, Yeah.
2: Well, and both of, them, both of them kind of flashed me back to an accident at Oshkosh. Oh, gee, many. Back in 98, 99, when uh, the Warbird's display was getting ready to launch. And something that they don't do as often today, they were all going to, this big group of uh, Corsairs was getting ready to launch off of uh, off of 1836. If memory serves, they were launching off 36. And somebody miscommunicated a signal to start to the folks in the back that didn't get done by the folks in the front. So this airplane is on takeoff and uh, crashes into another Corsair, sitting on the runway, not moving. And it was... Truly horrible. Uh, that both those airplanes got broken up. Uh, the pilot in the front airplane suffered some bad burns. Uh, it was a long time getting over that. Uh, and just a reminder that even really highly organized and, and 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 experienced operations like Reno and Oshkosh, things can go wrong that you don't want to be in the way of. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad.
0: These two incidents anyways that were not at least not physically harming you know, no one was.
2: yeah, uh, both of these guys walked away, yeah, but uh, yeah, now their uh, airplanes weren't going anywhere, yeah, yeah.
1: And they, they probably needed to go change their underwear. Yeah, well, I would not be surprised. Yeah. The one I watched. I would certainly need to. I,
0: I thought it was interesting. The one I watched, um, so it, the the video ran not only through the collision and beyond, but it, it ran to the point where his ground crew finally came out. I think the ground crew can't run out into the runway because there's still airplanes trying to take off. But once the runway was clear, some of his ground crew ran out to help him. And you could hear them calling, are you okay? Are you okay? And and he's okay. And, and you could kind of hear. I, my sense of his tone of his voice was that he was, you know, both frightened and but angry and, and nervous. And all the emotions you would imagine from this kind of a situation. But particularly interesting to me was he immediately started asking his ground crew member whether or not they heard him apparently there's some sort of signal that you make when you are stopped on the runway when you are uh, like that all right and and he was concerned that his that the signal that he gave was seen that that they realized that he had made the signal all right and my, fr- and my first thought was well this is a little crass he's like worried about getting blamed and i realized later that that really wasn't it necessarily at all he was more concerned that the system worked than that he was somehow able to inform people and to to
2: and 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 unfortunately the the one from the biplane classic uh the video's not there anymore oh really yeah well there's another there's there's
1: there's another video on the list here um uh the one that says a video a near thing is not available um, the one uh, where is it? Um, where would it go? I don't
0: know. The miss. The, the, the mess. The list is a little messed up today. I apologize.
2: Yeah. Um. The, the
1: the other one, uh, which is um, uh, wrecked at Reno, uh, that one's available. And then there's a third, oh, I'm
2: sorry. There, yeah, a it's third fair.
1: one. Bad day at Stead is the second one. Is the other uh, uh-huh. um um video we we're talking about just talk about the list here yeah so anyways it's it's all there it's just kind of foobard
0: yeah anyways all right well so interesting videos you know you just got to remember yeah yeah. it's like it's a dangerous place out there you got to be really careful um there was a story just the other day what was it yesterday today this morning um Two big airliners at Newark touched each other while taxiing. Um, did you see this story? This is like I didn't see that. Yeah, it's pretty new. Um, I, I maybe even saw it during the night. I think it's on the list here someplace. We look at the very bottom of the list. What do we got here? Uh, I thought I put it on. There it
1: is. Uh, it's, it's the first one on the probably not going to be talked about. Oh, That's right. It'll
0: Be the first one, not the last one. Yeah. So, uh, um, no video. No, Newark. it was just a report. I mean, it's very new. I think it happened during the night or last evening or something like that. Um, Newark, New Jersey, two airplanes have clipped wings while on the ground at New Jersey's Newark Liberty International Airport. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here. Apparently what happened was a uh, uh, one airplane was, was taxiing after landing, um, and it was apparently stopped. And then another airplane, which was taxiing, um, the, the wings touched. I'm It's a very brief, terse story, but I'm visualizing that the wingtips touched. And they described there being not a lot of damage, which kind of strikes me as being, um, you know, how can that be? You know, whenever two airplanes touch, there's going to be a lot of damage, maybe uh, not in the scheme of things, but you know by comparison to the way I hurt my one fifty two you know this is going to be a thing i i, I thought it was interesting the wording of the story is interesting, and I, I I joked that they buried the lead in this story because they say, let's see if I can find it here uh uh it says a spokesperson for Chicago-based United Airlines says a flight arriving from Beijing had landed safely at the airport and was at stop when an empty Lufthansa plane made contact with it. And I said, well, they buried the lead because they had an empty airplane taxiing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Remote uh, controlled
0: uh, uh, or something? I don't know. You know, it's on auto from
1: auto from airplane and his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or skimming the, the runway, trying to get out of there, and uh, they run into a United flight that just arrived from Beijing. Yeah. So anyways, hey,
0: you know um uh, it's a dangerous environment out there. You gotta be careful. This is why I get so frustrated when I'm on an airliner and people start unbuckling their seat belts when we,
1: Oh makes me burn berserk.
0: Yeah. yeah. You and, know. and it's like don't you realize how dangerous it is out here, man, until we're at the at the gate and even then, but you gotta at some point undo your buckle. But don't undo your buckle till they say it's
2: okay. Yeah, nothing less no, there is nothing less comfortable, particularly when the pilot said that folks were coming into some turbulence here, be sure your seatbelts nice and snug and looking over at the 285 pound guy next to me and (laughs) his belt's dangling off and he goes, ah, yeah, they always say that nothing ever happens. Uh, yeah, like fun, nothing ever happens. Uh,
1: there's there's an episode every week where someone gets bounced off the overhead on a a U.S. uh, carrier somewhere. Um, and it's just it's just insane. And, yeah, I know. You know, the the other thing that that just I find just incredibly interesting is, all right, so you know we're on the ramp, and uh, um, even if we're at the gate and the brakes are set and the fasten seatbelt sign is off, and you can hear the engines wind down. You don't need to stand up. You're you're 15 minutes from hitting the jetway, dude. Yeah. You yeah. know, cuz there's, you know, 300 people in front of us. So, you know, take a break. Yeah. Uh enjoy the enjoy the the Few minutes of relative calm you have before getting back into the world. I
2: agree. Yeah, open up a window and stick your hand out. Yeah,
1: uh, you know, yeah, you, know. Yeah. you know, know,
0: to David's po- story about the looking, you know, across the aisle and seeing somebody not buckled in, you know, and and you, you look at them and it's on one level, it's tempted to say, okay, well, that's not a very bright person, but it's kind of a self. You know, self-correcting uh, uh, thing because they're gonna, they're going to hit their head. On the, you know. But I, and then I keep thinking,
2: you know, the problem is, pal, you're going to land on me, all right, and that's what I don't like, all right. It's that, like, that that's that's what makes me want to bring the flight attendants. It's, excuse me, because I moved to a seat where a stupid person's not sitting next to me. Yeah. I mean, I've called, you know, I've called
0: flight attendants attention to, uh, to bags that are not properly stowed in the foot space of my seatmate. I, I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm not kidding around, you know? Yeah. Um, it was, uh, I, I was like, Captain Haynes is the one who taught us this. You gotta be prepared. That's because be we know, we know that stuff
2: happens. Yeah. Yeah. So I was anyways. on a flight
1: a couple of months ago where, uh, um, uh, there was a guy, I'm not exaggerating, had to have been 300 pounds sitting next to the emergency exit. Oh yeah. And like this guy couldn't get through that emergency exit with a pound of of, of blue bonnet and um a jackhammer. Isn't it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, they ended up moving the guy for and and uh he wasn't, you know, all that been out of shape about it, so to speak. But uh, it just it boggles the mind you know why are you putting this person in an exit row i would thought that's against yeah, really. the law I, mean, I mean i
0: don't,
1: I, 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 I don't it it, maybe i mean maybe that's why they moved him oh yeah I don't. Okay. there there are
2: requirements for that exit row and if you're 300 pounds, unless you came with a giant jar of vaseline <laughs> yeah. you don't need to be sitting next next to that window exit thank yeah. you so I, much I'm for that sorry. image david i really appreciate that <laughs> that, was, that
1: was really nice well you know the, what's the old saying you can never have too much lube <laughs> Oh, gosh.
0: Oh, sorry, folks. We're into it now, so to speak. Um, moving on. This is what happens when we
2: do this in the morning. Moving on. Maybe that's what it is.
0: Um, one bit of administrative thing I just want to jump in here with. Um, so for over a year now, we've been getting a generous support from many listeners who have made per-episode contributions through the online service Patreon. Uh, Throughout this fall, uh, we here at UCAP are going to try to to increase the number of listeners who support the podcast in this way. Uh, With increased financial support, we'll be able to produce the podcast on a little more regular schedule and maybe even do more field reporting from aviation events around the country. To encourage listeners to become patrons and maybe sweeten the deal a little bit, uh, we've defined our first reward level on Patreon. Uh, Now, patrons who support the podcast at a level of $3 or more per episode will receive an exclusive short after show podcast of the three of us chatting after the episode. Uh, In this special episode, we might review our discussion of some subject we covered in the regular episode. We might answer some questions from listeners. We might just babble on for a bit about who knows what. Time will tell. Uh, But to receive this special episode, go to the Patreon site and support us at $3 or more per episode. And make sure you check the box that's, or the button um, that says receive reward. Uh, And uh, as always, thanks to everyone for listening and for supporting the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast. Moving on, um, there's two more items here. Right? We're starting to run out of our allotted time, but there's uh, two more items before shoutouts that I really want to get to. The first is um, Arnold Palmer died, uh, and and that's you know sad on on many many levels. Of, and uh, I, I'm not sure if even airplane people realize what a force um, and a pioneer Arnold Palmer was in aviation. Um, and uh, and it shouldn't go without being noted that uh, he was a great great champion of general aviation and personal aviation, and uh, and and really really moved the uh, the I don't know if you call it the industry forward. Um, <laughs> Uh-huh. I, I you know there was a time when I was a huge golf fan. I'm I'm still in a little bit of a golf fan. I was a huge golf fan for a period of time when I was living out in California and I was attending um you were training. part of Arnie's army. And I was part of Arnie's army. Arnie was in the final days of him playing competitively at that point. Um but I I I stood within arms length of Arnold Palmer one time. Um there's a there's a sort of legendary list of things that every golfer is supposed to accomplish. Um and one of them was to shake Arnie's hand. And sadly, I never did get a chance to shake Arnie's hand. But I stood within arm's length of him, actually, as he walked past one time and
2: got to got to oh, yeah. see him up that close. Um, it and, would be my pleasure uh, to will you one of my handshakes from Arnold Palmer. You shook his hand. God bless you. That's very cool. So uh, multiple, multiple, multiple times because he was very frequent here in wichita come into flight safety for recurrent and whatever citation he was flying at the time tell tell us a
0: quick arnold palmer story please
2: well uh, my first actual speaking encounter with him was when he was in wichita to take delivery of uh, the first cessna citation 10 uh that'd be about 91 or 92 if memory serves uh Maybe a little later than that, uh, I'd have to fish it out. But uh, Palmer had basically befriended uh, the head of Cessna, uh, Russ Meyer, when Russ was a uh, lawyer with the uh, uh, agency that represented, uh, that represented uh, uh, the golfer. And Russ had helped him get his first airplane. And when Russ left that agency to come over to uh, Cessna uh, in a high-level position, uh, Arnold basically came with him and started buying Cessna airplanes. Mm -hmm. And he moved up from one Citation to another and, in the end, wound up owning two two Citation 10s. Uh, he took delivery of the very first one. And then a few years later, he came back and traded it in on one where they'd made some tweaks and improvements, uh, and uh if memory serves, that was the last airplane that uh, that he owned and used. The man had twenty thousand hours of pilot in command time yeah. wow. from flying himself around the country on business to golf tournaments, looking over the uh, overseeing the construction of the golf courses he designed. Uh, he and Russ were uh, tight tight friends uh, right up to the end. Uh, Russ spoke with him uh, not long before he passed. And uh, Russ knew that he was uh, having a rough time. His health was deteriorating. Uh, but just a, a, an extremely nice guy. Uh, look you in the eye when he's talking to you. Uh, when you shook hands with him, you knew that you'd shaken hands with a guy that could swing a driver for 300 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah. Did yeah. You have anything about uh, Arnold Palmer?
1: Not a thing, really, except that um, um, for a long time he was um, the face, uh, the general the face the general public saw of of business aviation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think over time he really helped, I think he not over time, but I think he really helped put the citation uh, on the map. Uh, and and uh, instill it as uh, uh, an airplane that uh, um, has a good reputation and, and was popular not only among um, the general population, but the business aviation community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, thinking thinking back to the 60s and whatnot... Um, what is Cessna? What, what are they doing? They they make piston airplanes. What what are they doing? Coming up with this jet thing? Mm-hmm. They, they call it a they call it a Citation. It doesn't even have swept wings on it. My <laughs> God, you know. And, uh, and, I and think, single
2: pilot. We all know yeah, that real yeah, jets what, need
1: two pilots exactly. And this was this was you know the day when uh, uh, um, jet stars and and uh, Sabre Liners and. Uh, Lear 23s and 20, yeah, twenty series Lears were were still popular and 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 this kind of thing, maybe the Gulfstream two had had finally gotten into the service, but there were a lot of Gulfstream ones still around, and you know things like that. Uh, and um, uh, you know the citation was innovative in a lot of different ways., uh, the original citations, I should say, were were innovative in a lot of different ways. and uh, uh, he helped legitimize that in the business aviation industry. So yeah. you know, clearly Cessna owes him a great deal of gratitude, but I think the industry as a whole uh, uh, would not be the same industry it is if it were not for Arnold Palmer.
2: I think that's uh, true. Absolutely. He was a spokesman for the original No Plane, No Gain. He participated mm-hmm. in that back in the early 90s. Uh, he was always a proponent uh, and a promoter of uh, general aviation in general and business aviation specifically, and would very easily credit his ability to fly himself to where he needed to be when he needed to be there with uh, a lot of his success as a businessman. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, yeah. It's, you know he had he was one of the early customers for the original Citation, and he was the the. the the penultimate Cessna customer. He yeah. moved up from piston airplanes and right into jets, and continued to move up over the years. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so okay. I think Jeb hit it on the money. Uh, I don't think uh, business aviation would be what it is today without his uh, his presence. Yeah. And oh, by the way, a pretty good golfer too. Um, and oh, and, by the way, and yeah.
0: a legendarily nice guy. All right? Um, it just the fans loved him. His,
2: you know, there's a. There's he even a, invented. A, he even invented a beverage. Uh, what was that? The Arnold, the Arnold Palmer. Fifty-fifty mix of lemonade and iced tea. Ah, there we go. There we go. Mm-hmm. There was a, there's a there's a sort of a
0: saying in in the golf world that uh, Jack Nicklaus, uh, of course, another great golfer, um, arguably the greatest golfer of all time, um, and uh, but he always the, the 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 legend was that Jack Nicklaus always kind of resented the fact that that even though he was a better golfer, people liked Arnie better. And uh, the, so the story goes that God looked down on, on Jack Nicholas one day and said, I will make you the greatest golfer of all time, but they'll always love Arnie better.
1: And uh, um,
0: so remembering Arnold Palmer, a great golfer, a great uh, supporter of aviation, a great pilot.
1: And stay tuned for the next episode of Handicap, our new golfing podcast.
0: I know, really, <laughs> I know. Um, or finally, because we're really running out of time here, but I just want to talk for a second about this guy who wants to operate his Skyline out of SFO, out of the uh, yeah. the big uh, Bravo Airport in San Francisco, and is is uh, is getting some pushback from the authorities here. What's so? What's the story here? Um, he he's determined to keep his airplane based at SFO. It's a Skyline. It's basically a one. 72 and uh, or 172 ish all right and uh, and uh, wants to operate out of SFO for his whatever personal reasons and is willing to bear the expense and the authorities don't like this and uh, and are going out of their way to try and stop him from from being based there. I have mixed feelings about this story. I'm of two minds on this story. On which, one hand... Which,
1: well, well, yeah, go ahead. I want to hear your two minds I just on think this. that mm-hmm. on
0: one hand, you know, it's a public airport. It's supported by public funds, all right? If this guy's willing to pay the fees, he ought to be allowed to base his airplane there. On the other hand, this is what reliever airports are for, all right? And we support reliever airports so that this kind of aviation can not, you know, kind of conflict or interfere. These are bad words. I don't... But just, you know... They stay separate it, it, from, it, it. from airline you know aviation, and so I kind of go back and forth on what I think about this. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, well, I'm in his camp uh, it, it, with your first part if if he's qualified, legal, and willing to pay the freight uh It's a public airport that takes public funds, and the uh, watchword on that situation is the airports aren't allowed to discriminate. Uh, As far as it being a big hang-up to the flow of commercial flights, I seriously doubt that it's even a blip on the radar, so to speak, in terms of the flow of traffic in and out of SFO, uh, airline traffic. Yeah. but this has been a trend for
1: thirty, forty years. No, it's been going uh, on longer than that. <laughs> two, two words. Yeah. Slippery slope. True. And yeah. and um, once you discriminate against a, a Part 91 driver in a in a single engine piston, then it's it's very easy to start discriminating against unscheduled 135, uh, discriminating against turboprops. Uh, um, uh, Two-engine jets versus four-engine jets, et cetera. Uh, uh, Dave is exactly right. The, the federal law and the, the, one of the fundamental tenets of, uh, of the national airspace system in the U.S. is equal access. Um, sometimes, um, over over the years, we've seen. Uh, situations like this at, at different airports. We're seeing it at Santa Monica. Of course, that's a whole different.
0: That's a yeah. That's uh, a different kind. Uh, yeah, of story, but,
1: it's, yeah. it's it's a different kind of discrimination, but um, we've seen it at all the major airports: JFK, Boston, Atlanta, Chicago O'Hare. Uh, you know, just LAX. I'm sure over the years also, where. Um, you know whether it's um, a, a traffic thing, whether it's a a parking <clears throat> uh, infrastructure thing, whether it's personalities, um, some airport fathers simply don't want to deal with the the smaller end of uh, of the aviation industry. And in this instance, uh, apparently, the airport operator had suspended his security access. The uh, security access is basically the, the card that allows him to go through the FBO and access his airplane. To get onto the ramp, yeah. To get onto the ramp, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the FAA found that there was no uh, reason uh, um, for uh, the airport operator to suspend that uh, that security access. And, rest- and, and it was restored. He's paid his his uh, his parking fees. He's paid his leases, his, his lease payments. Um, and uh, there's there's no legitimate reason, at least from what we're aware of at this point, that uh, his access or his his ability to use that airport that airport uh, should be uh, should be tinkered with. Um, it's been a, you know, how should I put this? Um, uh, there's one airport in the United States that I cannot, or that the average person cannot fly into, and that is one.
0: Ask me, Mm -hmm. pick me, pick me, pick me.
1: Go ahead, Jack. Which one is that?
0: What, your favorite Reagan international?
1: National. don't call it
0: don't I know, call I know. it oh you don't,
1: mean don't, you, don't you make wa- me come washington washington national, national. Thank you, you mean washington national um, and since the hysteria of of 911 and, and the, the hysteria of aviation security since 911 um, GA has been effectively banned uh, from from National Airport. I, I, in my logbook I'm very fortunate. The last time I flew into National was uh, April of uh, of uh, 2001, mm-hmm. uh, just a few months before uh, 9/11. And I uh, had a great time, you know, got in and out without it without causing any any uh, call the tower kind of uh, problems. And and um, uh, it was fun. It was it was non-fattening. Um, and, you know, to you know, to those who will say, well, you can fly G.A. into national now. Yeah, but you have to go through one of these so-called gateway airports and uh, uh, get strip searched and. And uh, uh, have you know some some federal marshal ride with you to make sure that you're not going to uh, pull a, pull a gun out and hijack yourself or something sure. and and I mean, uh, that. Uh,
0: a slightly less ex- exotic example of how it works just fine is uh, that you know we last last winter we flew into uh, in, well I should say I rode along while you flew into uh, Tampa in the Debonair right and uh, right um, also a big Bravo Airport all right and uh, and it, and it worked just fine and we didn't interfere yeah. with anybody I mean I we just it was no problem
2: and so yeah, yeah. My, my log my logbook hadn't been updated in a while but I've got. <laughs> Kansas City International, right, right. Charlotte, uh, Tampa, um, Dallas-Fort Worth, Dallas-Love Field, which is designated a Bravo by virtue of its uh, uh, proximity to DFW. Uh, none of these have ever been a problem. Uh, yeah. Denver International, uh, uh, before that, uh, what was, uh, what was the name of the airport out there? Uh, started with an S. Uh, Before in, in. Stapleton. So, th- thank you. Stapleton, uh... You know, it, it, this this baloney about uh, general aviation interfering with the flow of uh, commercial aircraft is is pretty much that. Because the savvy controllers that work these Bravo Air, airports know how to slip us in and out in between. They know that we can take off in less distance and turn out before we encounter wake turbulence. Uh, the only time I've had to... Uh, to wait and cool my heels was because I was waiting for an instrument clearance to uh, to get out, and it was instrument conditions. So yeah. they're maintaining separation standards, but it sure didn't hold up any of the airliners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no,
1: yeah. absolutely yeah. Okay. not. There, and in fact, there is a every now and then I I will mention something that I've seen on on the DC pilots list, and this is one of those instances. Someone put up a link. Um, to a video, uh, a sporties video dating from the 90s that featured uh, Dick Collins flying his pressurized Centurion, his P-210, mm-hmm. from Claremont uh, Airport outside Cincinnati, the home plate of, uh, of Sporties into Washington National doing it an IFR. And it's, it's – you can date it because of the equipment in, in Collins' panel, for example – um, but uh, you can also date it from the uh, the airline logos that no longer exist, not not the least of which at National, but everywhere else. Um, but you know it was it was pretty seamless. It was you know uh, um, fly such and such a heading, cleared to land runway uh, uh, two uh, one. In this instance, and, and uh, it worked out well. Everybody else was happy, non fattening, yada yada yada. Uh, And that's arguably one of the most congested airports in the country. Um, uh, And and at the time, certainly, uh, the one that perhaps had the highest density traffic was subject to the high-density aircraft uh, rule. I forget the exact name of it, where you had to have a reservation to fly in their IFR. Um, I don't know if that even still exists anymore. I presume it does for some airports, um, but it was seamless. It was effortless. It was uh, uh, professional. It was uh, uh, a non-event for basically everyone concerned. Uh, that none of that seems to be the case with this this uh, right. SFO yeah. issue, right. Uh, right. and uh, uh, is only in in rare circumstances, and only. Um, under the interpretation of the airline industry has it ever been a problem
0: yeah. all right well okay I, you've convinced me if this guy wants to base his airplane at sfo it's okay with me i
1: i, I approve all right well we have jack's approval there now, we go so, so we're all set yeah. we're
0: all set yeah, yeah. shout outs what do we got here? Shoutouts. Uh, I'm going to go first. You guys look at the list and tell me what's next. Go ahead. Like, I want to give a shout out to UCAP pal, Charlie Becker. Um, good, good, yeah. good friend of the podcast. Um, and uh, he's, got, he's all over the place. He's traveling all over the place, being an ambassador for EAA and for uh, home building and general aviation in general. And in particular, uh, he, it's been announced recently that he is going to be one of the keynote speakers at the first annual Deland Sport Aviation Showcase down in Deland, Florida in uh, early November. So uh, if you uh, want to see Charlie speak again or haven't ever seen him speak, you you should. Um, and you can do that on, uh, apparently, uh, on Thursday, November 3rd in the show Center Tent at 1 p.m. Charlie will be uh, be uh, be gracing the audience with his, uh, he, he's a great guy. He's a cool guy. He's a fun guy. He knows lots about about aviation and home building. He, he, he,
2: he's, a, he's a multiple offensive, a multiple offender in the home building movement. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. and he's probably listening to this podcast right now. I don't know. Is he blushing? Does Charlie blush? I don't know. But, uh, but uh, you go, boy, and, uh, and Char- Charlie
1: can do pretty much anything he wants. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's <laughs> right. And uh, um, so, uh, so check it. Check it out. Check out the Deland show in general. But uh, uh, try and be there on Thursday afternoon and see Charlie talk. Um, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Take my word for it.
2: What else? What do you guys got? Well, uh, I'll I'll take the Doc one. Uh, yeah. What absolutely. happened? Well, it flew uh, a second time, mm-hmm. and uh, the first flight was uh, really short, uh, barely 15 minutes, and they had a, a light come on from a chip detector in one of the engines. Right. And uh, real
0: quickly, turned doc, out doc, to be- it's all, doc is...
2: Oh, Doc is the uh, world's second flying B-29. There we go. Thank you. After FIPE, uh, uh, the commemorative Air Force airplane. Uh, So its first first flight flight was somewhat abbreviated. Yeah, they they got a warning light on one of the engines and, uh, and you know, uh, tilted to the side of caution, paid attention to it, and put it back on the runway at McConnell Air Force Base. Uh, This second flight was... uh, just in the last couple of weeks, uh, I, where we are now about a week ago, uh, it lasted 51 minutes. Uh, the crew was able to do some more uh, uh, systems checks on it, but it did have an issue with uh, the landing gear. One of the landing gear, one of the main gear, uh, refused to completely retract. It came down fine. But it wouldn't go all the way up. Uh, so that put it on the uh, squawk list. Uh, they also had a little uh, concern about the fuel flow, but they've gotten that sorted out, I understand. And uh, they're hoping to fly it again before Halloween.
0: Yeah. So big grats cool to beans. that uh, that team yeah. for their their
2: work there and their successes there. That's great.
1: Yeah, that's great that's a big deal, a big deal. Uh, uh, yeah.
2: they, they've got hundreds of thousands of hours in the uh, restoration and reconstruction of this airplane and yeah. uh it's uh I, I i think a testament to the faith and tenacity of the folks in this community that it's flying absolutely absolutely
0: um, real quickly david have you heard what's the buzz out there are you hearing anything more about them um, managing to find a more long-term home for this airplane
2: I am not. That's still a, uh, running concern. And, uh, the Kansas aviation museum is having a, a, a gala next month that I'm planning to attend, uh, where we're going to hear from, uh, one of the people that's kind of honchoed the restoration and e- effort. And, uh, well, I hope to learn more
1: about it then. Cool. Report back when you, after you do Jeb shout out. Yeah, real quick. Uh, I, I'm sure this has bounced around before. I had never seen it before. It's uh, a uh, an approach procedure mocked up by Jeppesen, uh, commemorating the um, the Miracle on the Hudson, the uh, uh, U.S. Airways uh, Flight 1549 uh, uh, splashdown, uh, uh, the, the the Sully and and uh, Jeff uh, Stiles. Uh, uh, episode back from whenever, back in 2010. Uh, it, 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 they took uh, their standard approach plate format and and uh, customized it to uh, to commemorate the event. You know, for the mis- missed approach instructions, none. <laughs> you know, you, you only get one chance at this <laughs> yeah, kind of Yeah, really. Thing. <laughs> and uh, we'll put a link to that. But I, I just I just kind of found found it kind of cute, kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, The other thing I'd I'd like to put on the the, uh, shout out list, it's an older video. I've I've seen it before. I've kind of forgotten about it. Um, But a guy takes a T-28 uh, for research purposes and on purpose. Takes a T-28 into a thunderstorm, and there's there's video from inside the cockpit, and really? and some some uh, uh, radio intercom uh, audio and and that kind of thing. And uh, if you ever need a reason uh, to convince someone they don't want to fly into a thunderstorm, not that any of our listeners need a reason, yeah. but if you if you ever need a reason to convince someone else not to fly into a thunderstorm, here's the link you should use. And uh, I, 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 congrats and hats off and, and a few other colorful terms would apply to the pilot. Uh, you
2: know, uh, that that airplane spent a week based out at Augusta where I kept my airplanes. Uh-huh. And I got to meet the pilot and interview him for a story for the Wichita Eagle. Uh, this has got to be 23, 24 years ago. Right, right. But that is one armored-up T-28 uh, the extra aluminum, hardened aluminum that's on that airplane on the leading edges, on the push rod tubes. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, way heavier than you know, its normal operating weight. And the whole back seat of it was filled with uh, computers to record yeah. data. And this thing would capture hail in flight hmm. and yeah. had lasers that could measure. Uh, the speed of uh, of uh, water droplets, and uh, to calculate the wind speeds inside these thunderstorms, and I'm like you, fly deliberately into a thunderstorm. Uh, I got vectored into one by accident a number of years ago, and, and going into one deliberately is not on my bucket list. No sir, no sir, rebob. Everything I've ever seen, I agree completely. Yeah.
1: Again, this is this also is a little dated uh, compared with that approach chart, but. Uh, uh, just, just kind of remembrance that uh, people do do stuff like this, and and uh, uh, they should be revered for it.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess, but yeah, I have never seen that. I want to check that out. I'm going to go look on that. Um, what, David? Anything else? Another shout out? I've got one more shout out here, unless David wants to do it. Um, congratulations. It, 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 go ahead. Yeah, do it. Go ahead. Congratulations to uh, Tom Pobrezny, uh, son of uh, of uh, EAA. Uh, uh, Found, uh, founder Paul Polresne, um Who uh, It was announced recently Will be inducted into The National Aviation Hall of Fame um, Actually it may have Happened by now um, This was an announcement Was back at the end of September But Uh um, the the announcement here from uh, from EA.org says, reflecting on a lifetime uh, involvement and nearly 50-year career in aviation, Tom Poperesny uh, is, and I'm paraphrasing, will be inducted into the uh, Aviation Hall of Fame. Um, again, quoting from the announcement, the 69-year-old Poperesny is being honored for his diverse aviation achievements, perhaps the best known of which is serving as EAA president for more than 20 years. Um, it was really a turning point, for, in my view, um, when Tom became the president and, uh, and EAA Kind of, um, you know, uh, not that EAA wasn't a terrific organization to begin with, but it kind of, kind of almost turned, you know, moved into the 20th century, the 21st century, if you will, uh, the late 20th century, um, when Tom took over, and uh, they they started to attract a, a younger audience and uh, do some really good things, grow the uh, the convention grounds, and um, Tom was a was a great uh, president in my view of EAA and. Uh, a few years back, went off to do some other things, but uh, is uh, and we actually, saw, I think I saw him. I don't know if it was this summer or last summer, but I saw him for the first time in a few years, actually at the convention on the grounds, uh, wandering around, talking with people, um, driving. Um, I believe he was driving his red Volkswagen. But uh, congratulations, mm, but, yes. congratulations to Tom uh, for this uh, well-deserved honor, in my view. Yeah, absolutely, long overdue.
2: Yeah, well, throw in, throwing in a little bit of background beyond his EAA career. Uh, Tom had a career in the insurance business. Uh, He was one of three members of an aerobatic team called uh, uh, the Red, what was
1: it? Golden. Red Arrow? No, it wasn't the Red Red. Arrows. Golden, no. I want to say Golden Golden Knights. Knights? Golden Knights. It's it's
0: in the story. David, keep talking and I'll find it.
1: It was
2: Red something, and then they they, they were flying pits. Uh, It was him, Charlie Hillard, and uh, Gene Susie. Mm-hmm. And they moved on to uh, uh, Christian Eagles and changed their name to the uh, Eagles.
1: Something Eagles, yeah.
2: Yeah, the Red Devils. That was it. Red Devils, thank you. You're right about that. uh, The Eagles aerobatic team uh, came out of the Red Devils. They flew together for uh, 25 years. Uh, And uh, they did one of the scariest, most amazing maneuvers on takeoff that I'd ever seen uh, when I first got to watch them. They did a snap roll in formation, barely a wingspan off the runway mm-hmm. as they took off to start their routine. I remember that. Yeah, uh, they were fabulous. Yeah. Uh, so congratulations, uh, Tom.
1: I believe there, those. You should, three- should also note that uh, um, his father, Paul, is also in the Aviation Hall of Fame.
0: Also well deserved. Absolutely. Yes. I I believe those three uh, Pitts airplanes are are the ones that are hanging in the uh, atrium of the EA Museum
1: now. I believe they are, yes. That is exactly
0: correct. Yeah, it's quite a little display here because they're like hanging inverted as if they're doing a maneuver inside the atrium. It's kind of cool. So, uh, anyways, congratulations to uh, Tom uh, for this uh, very, very well-deserved honor. Anything else? Fork time? Fork. Fork. Fork time. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It's always fun talking with you, Uh, talking with my two good friends here. First of all, Dave Higdon. Uh, Dave is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's
2: Buyer magazine. David, what are you working on? Anything fun? Well, uh, my Friday Business Aviation blog will talk about how it's really the aviation community's uh, job to stand up for our safety record after uh, 21 groups Sent a letter to NTSB asking that they uh, correct a a, a television network story that didn't, surprisingly, (laughs) didn't cover the whole story about how general aviation has improved and basically made it sound much worse than it actually is. So uh, uh, that'll be this Friday on avbuyer.com. Cool. Cool. And where can people find that and other things about you on the Internet? Oh, uh, AEA.net for my work for Avionics News. Uh, where else? Avbuyer. Uh, well, we just mentioned that. Okay. Uh, com and uh, sundry other places uh, where right. my name's not a big deal. But the work is.
0: And on Twitter, yeah. you are Real Higdon. Is that correct? Uh, it's, it's Last
2: I checked. That's
0: right. You've actually returned there. You haven't been there for a little while, but I think you posted just recently, I think. Didn't I notice that? I don't know. You should post more often. Jeb's putting pictures of his champ there, so, you know, yeah. got, got to keep up. Yeah. Got to keep up. And Jeb, thanks again. I appreciate it. It's always fun talking with you as well. Same Jeb here. is Same a, here. Uh, Thank you. Is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. What are you working on? What's going on?
1: Oh, I just put to bed the uh, November issue of Aviation really? Safety Magazine. November yeah. already. I uh, just put it to bed, uh, uh, today's Wednesday, put it on put it to bed on Monday. So I'm um, still basking a little bit in the glow, the afterglow. Um, and interestingly enough, that same uh, uh, joint letter from the GA associations to uh, the NTSB got some attention in that issue. And I think I might have taken a slightly different tack and Dave uh, pointing out that, hey, you know, these organizations are right. Um, uh, When does the industry start to get some credit uh, from not only the mainstream media and not only the NTSB uh, um, for its uh, uh, substantial improvements in its safety record, even as things like uh, um, automobile uh, accident numbers start to increase for for a change here. Uh, the punchline is, um, yeah, the industry needs to toot its own horn, but we certainly don't need um, uh, the NTSB uh, chairman giving out quotes as he did. So you know, it's it's a two it's a double edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's that's. Uh, That's in the can. Um, General Aviation News, got a new column up there. Um, Working on some things for uh, the Aircraft Electronics Association and uh, uh, Avionics News. Uh, And uh, so, you know, watch this space.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And uh, and where do people find you on the Internet?
1: Uh, Burnside J on the Twitter machine. And uh, the Google will point you to AEA.net will point you to General Aviation News, and, of course, there's always AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Mm-hmm.
2: Very cool.
0: And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. You can follow me at uh, Twitter.com slash Uh You can learn more than you really want to know about me at JackHodgson.com and AroundTheField.net. I learned how to weld this past month. I learned how to weld or I don't know if I learned I think it's a process but uh, I, I took a class and uh, I'm, I'm learning how to weld I'm learning how to, I, all my life I've been a software person I'm becoming a hardware person so now next time we're working on a motorcycle Jeb, and we need to like weld something uh, okay. I'm here man yeah, we'll,
1: okay we'll right. build a frame
0: yeah I posted a picture of my you know it's like they have you practice on little scraps of metal and uh, and uh, you know you get to take one home if you want and I brought home a little a little are you
1: doing gas you do you MIG?
0: i'm mid-tip? doing uh, gas mig yeah is what okay. i what i learned on so Ooh, far and cool. uh, yeah so uh so i, I posted it on twitter I'll, I'll probably put a link someplace that uh, to this to this uh, stupid little two pieces of metal that i welded together that i'm irrationally proud of um but, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like look what i did <laughs> isn't it cool but what does it do nothing nothing it does nothing at all but i love it um did I say this already? Learn more about really at uh, jackhodgson.com and aroundthefield.net and uh, Twitter, it's Jack Hodgson and I probably said all that before. The big thanks to everyone who helps us out and supports us in this podcast, uh, Jeff Ward for his help with the uh, show notes and in the forums, uh, Mike Morgan, Royce Earl, Jim Goldman and the uh, many other people who have created the UCAP disclaimer clips. Uh, please support UCAP by making a repeating per episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon uh, and if you uh, support us at a level of $3 or more per episode, you get Get access to the exclusive, uh, and and only for those special reward folks, uh, after-show podcast that uh, people seem to be liking so far. Um, get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. And while you're at it, go into iTunes and give us a review, click off some stars. Um, all that stuff really helps get the word out about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash class G airspace that's all one word class the letter G and then airspace um, you never know what might turn up over there um, you can also listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app Takeoff along with other podcasts and special Sporty's content uh, get your UCAP hats shirts and other cool gear at the UCAP swag shop at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store and don't forget to check out the rest of the UCAP website 10 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads um, and check with us directly and with many of your other fellow listeners in the uncontrolled airspace forums all that at uncontrolledairspace.com david was there something
2: you wanted to tell us best way to a long life is to go fly because well you all know time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan bye-bye and that's enough talking let's go flying
1: and for once i just don't have anything to add